0: God told Adam to name the animals.
1: And then God created Eve.
0: He told the two of them, be fruitful and multiply.
1: But Eve thought Adam smelled like a goat, and she developed a perpetual headache.
0: Adam got bored naming animals and resorted to genetic engineering to populate the Earth. As a result, everyone grew three heads and became Cubs fans.
1: Noah was told to build an ark and gather animals.
0: He had never seen rain and was probably allergic to pet dander. He thought cubits were weird, so he used inches instead. And as a result, Noah was only able to save himself and the mosquito. He regretted that decision.
1: Abraham did move his family like God instructed him. But soon, the neighborhood went downhill.
0: So instead of fathering the nation of Israel, he and Sarah left for the Swiss Alps, opened up a ski chalet, and Sarah tore up her knee on an unmarked black diamond.
1: Abe, you told me it was a beginner slope.
0: God had a plan for Joseph to rule over Egypt and save all the surrounding lands as well.
1: But after touring the Sphinx, Joseph had it and the pyramids decoupaged and sold to the same conglomerate running the Wisconsin Dells. Moses took a look at God's agenda for him.
0: Confront Pharaoh, lead my people out of Egypt, part the Red Sea, command a rock to bring forth fresh water, carry down the Ten Commandments, and generally care for 600,000 refugees for 40 years in the wilderness.
1: And he got a little overwhelmed. Instead, he created a TV series highlighting stupid camel tricks and sold turbans out of the back of a minivan.
0: David wasn't really into tending sheep, so when Samuel came to anoint him to be king, he was out doing yoga instead. And after putting out his brother's eye with a slingshot, David decided they were way too dangerous. He went on to invent the BB gun, which was much safer.
1: When praying to God became illegal in Persia, instead of faithfully praying anyway, Daniel hid in his newly remodeled basement and the lions ended up getting loose and ate the whole city of Susa.
0: (sniffs) Isaiah didn't feel like prophesying about some baby supposed to show up in 700 years. So when Jesus was born, the shepherds tended sheep without incident, the angels were playing mahjong in heaven, and the wise men went to a One Direction concert instead.
1: God tells you to name the animals, build an ark, take down a giant, or lead a nation. Don't hesitate.
0: All of mankind could be depending on you to obey him.
2: So there was this couple that was unable to have a child. They had wanted to have a child for a long time but could not conceive. And one day, God sent a messenger to speak to the couple and to let them know that they were going to have a boy, a very special and a very precious baby boy. God was inviting them to join him in his work to deliver their people from some of the most vicious, cruel people in what we think of as Israel today, the sea people, the Philistines. God was, in particular, inviting their little boy to be the hand of deliverance, a real thorn in the side of those Philistines. Now, the messenger informed this couple that their little boy would be a Nazir, which is a Hebrew word, which means to be separated. That is, from the day he was born to the day that he would die, he was to be separated to God. There were some things that should never happen in his life. For instance, he should never drink anything strong like alcohol. He should not touch anything that is dead. And he was never, ever to have his head shaved. Glad I didn't live back then. (laughs) He was to be fully and only and truly dedicated to God. And then the messenger left. And this couple had an opportunity, like we've been talking about, to experience God. If you've forgotten how to diagram it, now would be a great time to get your pads and pens and paper or whatever you're using out there. We've been talking about this for the last several weekends. we said that God is always at what? He is always at, oh my goodness. Oh, okay. I, I heard ninety fifth say or, uh, the 95th campus say that, but I could hardly hear Perhaps in campus. So God is always at what? Work. Work. Very good. All right. Okay? And his great work is to bring people back in relationship with himself. He's also at work individually in our lives. And so we think about how God wants a personal relationship with each one of us. He invites us into that relationship with himself. And then he also invites us into this great work of his at our level, at our place. This is macro. This is more on the micro level. And When we come together as a church, then he invites us together to be involved in his work. He does that by speaking to us, primarily through his word, the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes that creates a bit of a crisis because God always calls us to do things that are bigger than we are, things that we could never accomplish on our own. So he gets the credit and the glory. But it's scary for us because when it's bigger than us, when it's more than us, then we get kind of nervous because we wonder, you know, how I can't do that. And God goes, that's right. You have to depend on me. That's when we have to step out in faith. And then we have to adjust our lives to God's will, not our own will. We have to obey him, trust and obey him. And when we do that, that's when we have this great experience with God. So here's this couple and God has spoken to them and he's invited them to believe that though they've never been able to have a child, they will have a child and that this child is going to deliver them from the wicked, violent, evil Philistines. And they had the faith to believe it and they had a little boy and they named him what? Samson, very good. Heard that at 95th as well. They named him Samson. And God, through his parents, began to speak to Samson as they trained Samson and taught Samson that God has something very special that he wants to do in and through Samson's life. And Samson had to go through the same kind of experience as well, the same kind of cycle. He had to respond to God's invitation. It was a crisis to believe that one man was going to deliver Israel from these very fierce Philistines, these giant kinds of people. It took incredible faith to believe that. Could you believe that, that God could use just you to deliver a whole nation from an intimidating army all by herself. And that took great faith that he had that faith And he adjusted himself to God. And God began to move mightily in his life. In fact, if you have your iPhone Bibles with you, or your iPad Bibles, or if you still use the old-fashioned Bible, which I use as well, I want you to turn with me to the book of Judges, chapter 13. Judges, chapter 13. And verse 24, it's in the Old Testament, the book of Judges. Judges chapter 13, verse 24 It says, When her son was born, she named him Samson. And it says, And the Lord blessed him as he grew up. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he lived in Mahanadan, which is located between the towns of Zorah and Eshterol. In other words, God started working in Samson's life, and Samson began experiencing the supernatural, awesome presence and power of God in his life, something that was beyond himself. Now, I need you to do me a favor, okay? I need you to get rid of Hollywood's caricature of Samson, all right? And I need you to get rid of the picture Bibles that you have for your kids that make Samson out to be this brawny guy that, you know, spent most of his time in the gym pumping up his muscles and eating supplements like M and M's and Sucking down the protein powder so that he could have huge muscles. The truth is, Samson was probably very ordinary and in fact may have been very weak looking. I mean, he may have been as scrawny as this. Alright? Oh, that's right, he couldn't shave his head. A hairy, scrawny uh, guy. Because it wasn't Samson's muscles that made him strong. Seriously, it was God who gave him that strength. And so you can imagine how the Philistines must have felt embarrassed, intimidated to have this guy who was just very ordinary looking, do extraordinary things in terms of his strength because the Spirit of God would come upon him and he would do these powerful feats and he would defeat, you know, hundreds and thousands of men with nothing more than a jawbone of a donkey read the story later on it's incredible what God did through his man Samson and it's amazing to think what Samson experienced God working in and God working through his life but if you know the story of Samson you know ah, it didn't last very long Eventually, Samson lost his whole God experience. Why? What happened? How did he lose experiencing God at work in such a mighty way in his life, the same way that you and I can lose? Experiencing the presence and power of God at work in and around our lives. So that when people look at us and we say we're Christians and we love God and we believe in God, they don't see anything in our life other than the fact that they say that we say we're Christians, they don't see anything that points to something supernatural going on in or around us. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm just talking about living such an ordinary life that we don't look much different than anybody else. They look at us and they go, ho-hum, you're about as boring as I am. You believe in God? Where is the evidence of God? Where is something going on in your life that can only be explained because God is there. God is doing it. Man, there was a time when people looked at Samson and they realized there was a God in Israel because what that guy was doing, no human being could possibly do. God was on that man's life. Don't you want people to kind of say that about you or say that about your church? Hey, those people are so ordinary, but it's so, so extraordinary what God's doing in and Upon their lives and in their midst and their community, I gotta go check it out. Versus, uh, they're just kind of like the Rotarian Club, except they're just more into religion. They're good people who do a lot of good things, but anybody could do that. I mean, honestly, isn't that kind of where we see a lot of our lives and a lot of the church these, these days? Kind of powerless, presence less. In terms of God being there, what happens? How, how do we lose that experience, that presence, that power? What takes place in our lives? Well, if you know the story of Samson, you know that he lost everything in the lap of a Philistine woman called, what? Delilah. Delilah. That's where he lost it all. So how did he lose it all? Well, it actually starts earlier than that, but we don't have time to go through the whole story. You can read, right? How many of you know how to read? So please read that story, okay? And uh, if you have kids, read it to your kids, okay? But we're going to kind of go down the story quite a ways to where he actually ends up losing his power, losing his experience with God. He's gone down to spent some time with Delilah, and uh, the Philistines talk to Delilah, and they say, "You know what? if you can find out the secret to this guy's strength, we will pay you a lot of money." And she obviously must have loved money more than she loved Samson, because she started nagging him and asking him for the secret to his strength. Now we know the secret of his strength was who was God. But his hair was symbolic of his dedication to God, his trust in God. And every time she would say, what's your secret, he would make something up. And then he would fall asleep, and she would tell the Philistines, here's the secret. And they'd come running in to get him, and he'd wake up, and he'd burst free, and he would just, you know, take those guys to town. And so after a while, the nagging kind of got to him, and something took place. So turn, if you will now, to Judges chapter 16, all right? And let's see what happens. We're going to pick the story up in verse 16. Judges chapter 16 and verse 16. It says in verse 16, she tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. I think that's funny. How many of you have ever been nagged by somebody? Careful. (laughs) Careful now. Who's sitting next to you when you raise your hand? All right? All right? She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally, Samson, verse 17, shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me. I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth. So she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said. For he has finally told me his secret. So Philistine rulers turned, returned with money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson asleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. She braided his hair. The dude had to have been passed out, all right? (laughs) To be laying there and had that happen, I'm guessing he had a little too much that night. In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't. And to me, it's one of the saddest verses in Samson's life. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. But before long, his hair began to grow back. Now you can read the rest of the story and find out how his hair grows back and he takes vengeance on his enemies. The question I want to ask is what happened to Samson? Why is it he lost his strength? You say, well, it's right there, it's obvious because he told the secret and they snipped off the locks of hair and he broke his vow. Yeah, I know, but there's, there's more to it than just the hair and the cutting off of the hair. Something else has happen in his life. I want to suggest two things that caused him ultimately to lose his strength. Two things that can ultimately cause us to lose our spiritual strength. And living in that land of truly experiencing God. First of all was pride. Let's all say that word together. Pride. I want you to say it one more time so I can hear 95th say it with us. Okay, ready. One, two, three pride. We're all familiar with it, aren't we? Because we all struggle with it. We all face it. We battle it every day of our lives. But pride took over Samson's life. Listen carefully. When God invites you to join him in his work, a work that is greater than you, God oftentimes resources you with gifts and talents and abilities and resources in order to accomplish that work for Him. At that very point, you are vulnerable. So, what do you mean I'm vulnerable at that very point? You're vulnerable because you may take those resources and use them for your own benefit and purposes rather than God's. And that's what Samson began to do. Pride set into his life. Read his whole story. You see it there. He became the big man. He had the power. He had the influence. Women wanted him. He wanted them. People lived in fear of him. And he used that to his own benefit, to his own advantage. To his own advantage. And we sometimes do the same thing with the God-given charisma and gifts and talents and abilities and resources that He gives to us. Rather than using them for God's purposes and to honor and glorify God, we realize, wow, man, I can, I can use this, I can use this to benefit me. Remember David in the Bible? I mean, God resourced David with handsomeness, resourced him with courage. David was a worshiper. David was a charismatic individual. And one day all of that went to his head. And he decided that a woman who was married to another man belonged as much to him as anybody or anything else in the kingdom. And what's really interesting, if you read Earlier on in the story of Samson, he meets this woman from Timnah, and he, and it says that she caught his eye, and he says to his parents, he orders his parents, he says, "Fetch me that woman, get me that woman, I want that woman." And they say, "Isn't there some? Aren't there women in Israel? Can't you just can't you take a woman from Israel, not one from the enemies?" And he says to them, "I want that woman, get her for me." What's interesting is David tells his men, I want that woman, get her for me. And we all know the horrible, horrible consequences that that led to in his life. And all of us have heard the stories. And I'm sad to say I personally know some of these stories of, of pastors and Christian leaders who've been given great talents and gifts and capacities by God, whether it's singing or preaching or playing or you name whatever it is, counseling, whatever it is, and, and it goes to their head and suddenly they take that charisma, that gift, that talent, that ability, and they use it for their own benefit. And they fall into sins just like David fell into and Samson fell into and Many others throughout the Bible and throughout times this very day have fallen into. We know people who God blesses with resources in amazing ways. And all of a sudden they start to enjoy their wealth and their resources. And rather than using their resources to honor God, they use their resources to build their own little kingdoms. We know people who have talents and abilities, but rather than using those talents and abilities to honor God, they use those talents and abilities to bring honor to themselves, the celebrity kind of world that we live in. We all want to be celebrities. You know what's so funny? I'm in Indonesia. I'm preaching. And I asked them, have you guys ever heard of American Idol? It didn't even need to be translated. And they all said, oh yeah, we all heard of it. And guess what? They have their own form of it. And it's one of the most popular shows on their televisions. Everybody, everybody wants to be somebody. Everybody wants to be somebody. Why did Samson lose his power, his spiritual power? Why did he miss out on that continual experience with God? Because of pride. You know, one of the possibilities in your life and my life is that the reason we're not experiencing God to the depth we used to, or the depth we would like to, is because pride is in the way. We are taking what God has given to us, whatever that gift, whatever that talent, whatever that ability is, and in all honesty, we are building our own little kingdom. We are not using it for God's purpose. We're using it for our own, and therefore, we can't experience God. But I think there's a second reason which is really scary to me. It's actually scarier than the ones I've just shared with you. I think the other reason why Samson loses his power and his his experience with God is not just pride, but it's foolishness. Samson was a very foolish guy. I mean, foolish with a capital F foolish. Here he is in the lap of this woman, being nagged to death. I didn't say that, the Bible did. (laughs) And men can nag, and kids can nag, so you know, be careful with that, all right? And he just, he just said, I'm so sick and tired of you nagging me about it. I will tell you what the secret is. I'm a Nazir. If you cut my hair, shave my head, then my vow with God is broken. Ho hum, can it be over with now? I'm taking a nap. Wow. He did not, he did not value his relationship with God. He did not value the gift And the capacity that God had given him. See, you can value something and misuse it. Or you can take something and kick it like a can down the road. It reminds me of another character in the Bible. His name was Esau. The older brother of Jacob. And Esau was set to receive the inheritance, passed out from Abraham to Isaac to him as the eldest brother to lead the people, to lead the nation. And one day he comes in from hunting all day long and he is famished. Reminds me of Samson. He's famished. And his brother, Jacob, is is cooking up some stew. And he says, I want some of that stew. He goes, I'm already starved to death. And his brother says, okay, I'll trade you some stew for your birthright. And he goes, deal. Wow. He wasn't that hungry. But he was that foolish. That birthright just didn't mean much to him. What meant something to him was how he felt at the moment. His impulse, his need at the moment. What mattered to Samson was not the vow he had with God. What mattered to him was what he felt he needed in the moment. And he didn't value God. Sometimes the reason we don't experience God... Or we lose out on our spiritual power. is honestly because we don't value the things of God. We really don't. We don't really care. If we make it to church on the weekend, great. If we don't, so what? If I get some Bible reading in this week, great. If I don't, so what? If I give a tithe or I give an offering, great. If I don't, so what? If I can help somebody, I'll do it, but I'm a really busy guy, and if I don't, so what? Yeah, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I know that's important, and I'll be there on Easter to celebrate that, but if I don't, so what? we don't value God. We don't value the things of God. They're not precious to us. They're not sacred to us. They're not important to us. They're not worth sacrificing for. If I'm in the mood, fine. If I'm not, I just go on with my agenda. That's why a lot of people don't experience God at work in their life and why their spiritual power is so diminished. Man, I hope you're not a proud fool. Because that's what Samson was. And it kept him from fully and truly experiencing God. Can I ask you a question? Are you experiencing God these days? Could people look at you and say, wow, I mean, I see you're ordinary and I see your weaknesses and I see you're not perfect. Yeah, I see that. But I also see there's something else going on in your life that I can't explain any other way. But, man, you must know God. And God must know you. How do you break pride and foolishness? two words. Very simple. I made made this up myself. And it just dawned on me after I did it. One is called obedience. Can we all say that word together? Obedience. Obedience. Do you know the Bible tells us that God loves obedience. That when we obey Him, it says in the book of John, that when we obey Him, it's like saying, I love you, God. When your children, how many of your parents? Yeah. When your children obey you, that's love language, isn't it? That's love language. It's like, man, my kid loves me. They actually did what I asked the first time. Right? When we obey God, when we obey his word, when we set aside our agenda, our feelings, our thoughts, our likes, our dislikes, we put everything else aside and say, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter how I feel today. I am going to obey God. That's, that's love language to God. That's love language to God. That's how you counter pride. Because pride says obey yourself. Second word, humility. Humility. Man, humility counters pride and foolishness every time. Humility that says, God, I am nothing. God, I am amazed. That you would choose me, that you would love me, that you would gift me, that you would resource me, that you would use me. And you know, when you just kind of take these two words together, they spell what? Oh. What? Oh. oh! Yeah. So that's the genius I came up with. In a 20-hour plane ride from Singapore to here today... I just got off the plane just uh, a couple hours ago, and I thought, oh, God, that's it. If I want to be foolishness, if I want to be pride, oh, obedience, humility, obedience, humility. Amen? Amen. All right. All right. I was really tired. I'm so wound up now because my body clock is messed up. I could preach this message backwards. And it would be, ho! Humility and obedience. I better stop right there. Let's pray. All right. God, thank you so much for the luxury of being able to learn from what others have failed to do so we don't have to repeat the same sin and the same mistakes. And God, that's why you put some of these strategic stories like the story of Samson in front of us. Father, there is nothing that I want more in my own life than to experience you. Not just from time to time, and not just in grand and great ways. I long for the, quote, little experiences every day with you. God, may pride and foolishness not prevent me from experiencing that, but may obedience and humility allow each of us to live in your presence and to live in your experience. We ask this in Christ's name. And all the people said, yeah. Amen.